guys, welcome back to the Alpharetta's podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works. Where each week we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. My name is Ben. And this week, Ben, it's all kinds of brand new fun stuff we're talking about. <laughs> definitely not a remastered game. Definitely totally not-, not just another episode we've done before, but again. Definitely not something we've talked about before in the past, but uh, looking no. at it from a different angle whatsoever. Because this week we are talking about the horror of Dark Souls Remastered. On the Switch, on the Nintendo Switch, because that's what I've been playing it on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's out on the Nintendo Switch, which we'll touch on in a second. But yeah, Dark Souls is an action role playing game developed by From Software. I don't know why they they, they say role playing. I don't. Originally released <laughs> in 2011, uh, we've since seen a number of collections published, and most recently, the remastered it. Legend, and we're back, baby. I'm sorry about not even a second of. I'm sorry about burping, everyone. Yeah, that was like kind of the last gross. thing that you would have heard in your holes, and I apologize for that. I'm not sorry, but I do apologize, because um, Ben did it, not me. Um, yes, yeah, so we talked about Dark Souls a lot before, and it's a game that bears revisiting a lot, because it's something that every time it comes out, I feel like I get something different from it. And it's not like a... I mean, you have a fairly notorious sort of, I guess, example of a game that you keep fucking going back to. It's the only game that I play. Yeah, and but I think it's different to that in the sense that, you know, you go back to... When we're about to say it, you go back to Skyrim, and... It's how like dare when how I, dare you bring when, up Skyrim in when, front of me? When I go back to Skyrim, because I've done it a few times, I did it when it came out on the Switch. Mm-hmm. I went back and I really tried to like, re- I don't like do something different than what I normally do with Skyrim. Yeah, but like whenever I go back to Dark Souls, a lot of same the time shit. it's just like same shit. Let's see if I can see if I can get through this garbage. I again. I wonder though if that's just a like a mechanic or a, like a function of the fact that it's not. Like a role playing, like I mean, it is a role playing game, but it's not like Skyrim. It's you can really not Skyrim. You can game. play in like a way that feels real. Dark Dark Souls, you never play and go. I feel like I'm in Dark Souls. Yeah, like, like Skyrim has all of the the busy work on the side that you can do that doesn't yeah. really progress the game in the game sense. It, it just progresses sort of your progresses, experience. Yeah, whereas yeah. Dark Souls, everything you're doing is is part actively of trying to sort of push get, push get you further. Yeah, yeah, it's not you don't become a blacksmith. You just go to the blacksmith and buy all this shit. That's in- I hadn't thought of it like that. Before we get into some of the analysis, though, and I got some some stuff I want to talk about as far as like the horror is concerned. It's time for summary, as it always is. So, the game begins with the player, a cursed undead, waking in an asylum. Once they escape, they journey to the Forsaken Kingdom of Lordran, where the bells of awakening announce the player is the chosen undead and must seek out the kiln of the first flame. As the player continues their journey, they arrive in Anolondo, where Guinevere instructs the player to take Lord Gwyn's place and fulfill the prophecy of rekindling the first flame. To achieve this, the player must hunt through the world to find the primordial souls of Gwyn's now hollow and bestial allies. On their travels, the player may come across Darkstalker Kaith, who suggests the player should not link the fire, but instead let the first flame die out and usher in the Age of Darkness. When the player has, the gre- when the player has collected enough great souls... They return to the kiln of the first flame and confront Gwyn. After Gwyn's defeat, the player can then choose to rekindle the first flame and bring about the Age of Fire or usher in the Age of Dark. While this is the narrative, the game's environmental storytelling and in-game context clues reveal that the player is one of endless chosen undead on this same mission throughout countless realities, and that even should the player relight the flame, the cycle will only continue, repeated repeated in other similar kingdoms and with other similar undead. Thus, the other iterations of the game form part of this meta narrative. The game's DLC then expands on these themes a little, with Artorias of the Abyss, a night corrupted by Manus, and the growing abyss set into motion thousands of years ago. The abyss is another long-running feature of the game's story, and is the counterpoint to the first flame's ability to create and sustain life. And that's kind of the game. Isn't that just the storyline in Dark Souls 3? 
We'll kind of touch on that because yes and no. There, there's I mean, an yes. element to it that that <laughs> it 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 takes a lot of the devices that you expect to see from the first game and goes, what if they were better? Right. Like well, I th- it's yeah. very similar plot wise, but I think the themes are a bit different. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Um. So how much do you know about like the Buddhist perspective on this game and like the way that it looks at like life as suffering? Sorry, what? The Buddhist perspective the, on this game. The, the t- Buddhist reading of Dark Souls. Yeah. We should just we should have done. Is that the title of the episode? It's not, but it could be. No, it I think be. Buddhism might be in the title. Right. Yeah. So I'm... explain yourself. <sighs> so no pressure. You said that like I did something wrong. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Dark Souls is one of the video is one of video games like original treaties of like cosmic dread created by like you know like when people talk about like in the with the word that we're not going to bring up but in the particular cartoon TV <laughs> show. Um, that idea of like cosmic scale and nihilism. Sure. But like so like in the same way that the difficulty of the game provides the palette where you experience the world from the narrative provides a context which like the game's meaning is like keyed in from so like the story gives you the game's meaning it's not one it's not like you it's not like you play the story and you go no i know what it means but in the act of experiencing the narrative you want like you experience the meaning that it's that that saying that herodotus had where um the map of an area um the further down you get like the more accurate the map the more it resembles the area and the most accurate map of any area is the area sorry so, so okay, so, so Herodotus says, um, pretend that you were trying to cartographer like a, a kilometer of space, right? right? And you, you could make a child's drawing of it, like yeah. an abstract picture. And that might help you navigate, yeah. but it's not the most accurate map. So then you add, okay, what's the topography? And then you go, well, where's the shrubbery? And you keep adding stuff and you go, well, this is only 2D. We need three dimensions. So you build a, yeah. a scale model and you go, okay, well, it's not really that accurate. So then you go to a sound stage let's and you build it, to, it bigger. Let's make it to scale. Yeah. And then you just recreate then it. Yeah. So the most accurate map of an area is the area. And right. it's that same idea with the Dark Souls narrative, where it's like, it doesn't matter how many levels of abstraction, the experiencing the thing is the thing. Well, um, I mean, that's also pretty literal in Dark Souls as well, because there are no maps in Dark Souls. Like, none of the games have had. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes it sound like I planned <laughs> that way better than I did. Well, I'm, I'm glad I helped you. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, so, you know, uh, like in Bloodborne, which deals directly with the idea of corruption caused by, like, otherworldly horror, Dark Souls yeah. is more about, like, the fundamental building blocks of life. Well, I think, like, you bloodborne's interesting because yeah bloodborne is quite explicitly sort of cosmic horror like it uh, it really quickly delves into that sort of like that section in the middle of the game with a big kind of the it just, the, it the just turns of, into a lovecraftian yeah. kind of novel like it's quite explicit in its references to the i mean big time there's even a, there's a few like lines of dialogue that are taken from of course. well i mean yeah and there's literally the old gods and that's yeah. you know it's very you, old blood you, and... insight and all of these other yeah, mechanics yeah, yeah. that really it's very they, t- they had a really good idea and they were like how do we what if we made dark souls but it was spooky and victorian and i and i think sort of when you when you compare dark souls and bloodborne from a sort of narrative perspective at a surface level they're pretty different because mm-hmm. it, like you know dark souls doesn't have well, no, we'll get back to that. Dark Souls doesn't deal with sort of explicit examples of cosmic horror. Yeah, it just deals it's with yeah, you know, it's it's the skeletons and it's the and it's yeah. the big skeletons well, and it's the yeah, that's kind of like small scale, like scary looking stuff. Yeah, but I think that the reason that for me it imbues like such a sense of like absolute dread in my uh, my soul <laughs> is uh is that it, it it looks at death more as like a spectrum than like a discrete idea. Um, so like in the game, like you can be in un- you can be undead and be hollow, which are two different things. You can become really hollow where like you go crazy, but then you can also be alive, but then be like super alive if you have like a ton of humanity. Um, and like the way that you exist in that world changes the way that you play the game and changes the way that you perceive the world. So like when you have a ton of humanities, 
you, you play super defensively because like I don't want to lose these. But if you if you've just gone hollow, you might be a bit more reckless because you don't have much to lose. And there's like this this scale of like it shapes the way that you play the game based on where you sit on the spectrum. Well, even from a even from a purely mechanical perspective, someone who has a lot of humanity. The fastest way to get a lot of humanity in Dark Souls is to kill other players, is yeah. to invade them and kill them and steal their humanity. So it's almost an opposite thing where someone who doesn't have a lot of humanity, someone who is just reversed hollow for whatever reason, is actually probably at a pretty high chance of A, being invaded, yep. and then B, being killed. Which makes it more valuable. Because which that, well, which that, almost puts you in that state of like I've just become human. I'm now terrified. Like so whenever whenever I reverse hollowing in Dark Souls, I'm like so much more yeah. like keenly scared You're because on edge. like like if I'm hollow, it's like that's just playing offline basically. Yeah. That's like yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah. But like when you when you reverse the hollowing. And you're running around with that white text that says zero. <laughs> it's like it's like legitimately like okay, I've like I've given myself like this buff, and if I die, yeah. I fucking lose it. Yeah. And I so mean, even like like regular enemies, you know, you're kind of always playing cautiously when you play yeah. Dark Souls. But it's it's that like running around and knowing like you know if you if you're a player that actively is sort of constantly going out invading other players and killing other players and doing the PvP stuff. You're actually, in a weird sense, more safe doing that than you are just running around yeah. as a regular boy. Because A, when you're invading, the only way to get counter-invaded is by another separate covenant. Yep. So you can invade anyone. You can yeah, just be correct. like, I'm going to yep. fuck you up. And you go to their world and fuck them up. Yep. But when you're in someone else's world, the only way for you to get fucked up is either A, you misjudge your target and you get and fucked you up. And you get ruined, yeah. Or another specific covenant comes in because they can help you oh, yeah, sorry they, they can, can help, help the other player yeah. yeah so you get this weird thing where it's like it's almost you know if you're it's, in a if you're in a state where it's just like i want to always be yeah. human it's almost best to just constantly chase down other which, people <laughs> which makes you like it's like it, and the, the game kind of touches on that where it's like when you get cells you become hungry for more cells and it's like this kind of sickness that like the curse and we'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about the first flame and the ideas brought about in that but it's almost this idea that like life is this curse on it's not that the undead is the thing that's the curse. It's when you get the life, that's what makes you want more life. And the undead is just, like, a consequence of being alive. Yeah. Um, so, the, there's, there's, like, the, there's the three states. There's the hollowed, the undead, yeah. and the... Humanity. Humanity. But, the, but they, they so exist the on a spectrum. So, hollowed and undead. So, hollowed... So, hollowed... So, like, when you first die, you're undead, and you have all of your health. But when you hollow, the more hollow you get, the less health you have. Yeah. So, is that just the more you die? Yes. So you start at a baseline, and then you get worse and worse. It makes the game harder and harder. It punishes you. They kind of get rid of that in the later games. They got rid of it in later games because it's dumb. Yeah. But (laughs) I wanted to talk about why that to me like suggests this idea of like the Tibetan Buddhism stuff that this game seems to be deeply interested in. Um, And so the Tibetan Buddhists had this idea that there is no such thing as like states, only transitions between states. Um, And this comes back to like the basic idea of Buddhism is that existence is suffering, and we'll kind of explain how that comes about welcome, but welcome to dc on Max. but not in like Resistance a not, not in like a cool nihilistic way but like in a way that's quite tragic um so yeah the thing to remember is like it's between states so like you're not alive you're simply between being born and when you die um uh, you're not dead you're just between death and life uh the, their only exception is when you uh reach well it's when you achieve nirvana which is the idea of not existing at all of like snuffing out your existence so they, they, they only... Like a flame. Well, yeah, there's no literal transition in English, but it's like the <laughs> snuffing of a candle. It's the not being. But we can't conceive of that because we've never not been. So we don't know what that looks like. But in this way... a lot of nonsense right now. Well, we'll, that's, we'll tie it into the game. <laughs> okay. and you'll see like the literal metaphor that the game proposes, right? Right. 
So in this way, remembering that like being alive is suffering. When you light the first flame, you're basically like restarting the cycle of life. So you're restarting the cycle of suffering because then the kings rise and the kingdom becomes and then people are happy and then it's like an age of flame again and then people start dying and the undead curse comes and people suffer again. Whereas the true suffering is like letting the darkness fall. Like, sorry, the, the, the true relief from suffering would be to let the darkness fall and let existence stop. Right. Because that would be the end of suffering. That would be like the, the Buddhist idea of, of achieving nirvana, which is like to slip off the world. So it's almost like lighting the first flame is good because you bring life back but bringing life back doesn't necessarily like isn't in and of itself implicitly a good thing and the game really fucks around with that in the way that you were talking about where the more humanities you have the best way to stay alive is to like hunt people hunt people like life is pain it's like hunting it's suffering it's this kind of life is this malicious vehicle for suffering yeah the only way to sustain high humanity is well you can you can like most sort of multiplayer interactions in the game do give you humanity in some form mm-hmm. um it it helping players gives you the item humanity doesn't it whereas uh, yes killing players gives you the counter yeah it, it so physically changes you yeah so the, yeah. the 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 counter is the one you can lose the items are the ones you hold on to yeah um yeah so it's kind of an interesting thing where like yeah if if you're at you know like 60 something humanity like some crazy people you see online now you're better off just like you know you've you're this far in may as well just keep going may as well keep murdering <laughs> yeah. yeah but but like do like but you like get, no one's gonna pop 60 humanity items no i mean i've like players th- like there are player- strategies that you can use to defeat bosses that use that as a mechanic but it's right. not like i don't know but you can you can see how that that is like a really obvious reflection of like what the game is trying to say about what it means to like play a game and be alive in a game We'll get to my meta reading at the end because I got a spicy one this week. Okay. Um, but like that for me is like pretty explicit in the text. Like the parallels are really obvious. They were like, life is bad because when you're alive, you kill other people to get their life. And if you let the the age of fire die, that ends suffering. Probably not that the worst thing you could be doing. Well, is there a is there a canonical canonic canonical? Sorry? Canonical. A canonical. A canonical. What's is there the a canonical ending? Uh to Dark Souls? Well, yeah. The canonical Dark ending Souls. of Dark Souls is lighting the first flame in every game. Right. Because it restarts a cycle in another reality. Yeah, yeah. Which is then what's Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 and all those games. And also the other players. And the other players. And every time you play it again and every time you invade someone. Yeah. So the the canonical ending is it goes on forever and ever and ever. But the truth is that in all of the, like, the more that you do it, the worse you make existence because you're adding more suffering is like the idea yeah um so let's talk about the problem of subtext and how it creates existential dread which you're gonna love because this is what we always talk about with dark cells but we kind of (laughs) haven't in like a podcast we talked about it in our dark cells 3 one with like the way that the environments build the story but this for me like this frame everything yeah there's like an underpinning of the franchise that really they solidified in this game versus with the um the other the previous souls games um the is this notion of like burying meaningless minutiae in really weird places and that's what forms the most coherent parts of the story so like the explicit contradiction between these two facts like minutiae in random places and then the fact that they give you the story is like why i think we've talked about this before but it gives the game so much texture like when you're running through an area and you pick up an item and you like are able to piece together um like a mystery about the you know this area and this character there's a, there's a guard on a wall that i always remember where um I can't remember where, I think it's in Adelondo or somewhere like that, and you might be in Seath's Fortress, I can't remember, but it's like normal armed guards or whatever, and you kill the bunch of guards in the area, and one of them is like super decked out to the nines. Like he's got all these great like weapons and equipment and armor and stuff. Yeah. And when you kill him, he drops like a, a weapon, yeah. and you can pick it up and you can read, like it's like it's named, it's a named weapon. 
And, like, it doesn't tell you anything about, like, how he got there. But I was like, how the hell did this guy, this, like, elite <laughs> guard end up on this wall and back fuck nowhere yeah. going hollow? Like, what? That, this dude must have, like, a tragic life. Yeah. Adds, like, a real texture to the game. And there's a great quote that isn't mine, but I can't remember who it's from, which is this idea of, like, when you pour over all the item descriptions and you dig through all the wikis and you put all the stuff together and you get, like, the board up with the red strings and you work <laughs> it all out. Um like, ultimately, like, none of those details matter because the cycle of the dark sign and the flame is going to repeat again. But at the same time, you can only learn that that's true by going through the minutia. So it's like, it's like From Software, where, like, these nerds that are going to go through and, like, pour through this game and, like, get all the minutia, at the end, we're going to be like, yeah, it was a complete waste of time. Yeah, well, it's even, most of the lore in the game only relates to stuff that happens before you even arrive, and a long time before you even arrive as a player. I mean, like, centuries in some cases. Yeah, yeah. like, just... It's all just backstory. Um, I think, like, in sort of... Because I've been playing a lot of Warframe recently. Yeah. And that game has a some pretty weird lore. I mean, it's got the same kind of, like, sort of uh, Dark Souls kind of aesthetic with its lore, where it's a bit... It's a bit wacky. It's a bit wild. You don't yeah. really know who the bad guys really are. Maybe it's you. Who knows? Maybe you're the um, bad one. Except the lore in that game, the the game is situated in a, in a point in time where you are you're an active participant in like a large part of the law that they're actually building over time. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dark Souls, it's like that stuff's already happened. You're just you're just fucked. you're just picking you're up just the pieces. Here. Yeah, yeah. you just this guy at the end. It doesn't really matter what you do, but like yeah, just have a good time. But just kill some dragons. Do you think that that, that engenders like? I I, I, th- I think the smallness of it, like this, we talked about this with like eighth grade. Like that's a film that is small and doesn't matter. Same with like uh, Edge of Seventeen. Like the the smallness of things like forces you, especially in a game, like forces you to like take responsibility for your decisions. Like it's irrelevant that you spend hours pouring your heart and soul into like a beating sense fortress. This I did this by the way when I first played the game. <laughs> I spent like hours pour. I was like I got to get through this fucking area because I went up the ladder instead of down it. Yeah, and like. But the game, like, I own that decision, and I was like, I learned from that. Because it was a small thing that didn't matter. When I realized I did the wrong thing, and yeah. I forced myself through this difficult kind of process of change, I would like, oh, I own that decision. I fucked up. Yeah. Like, it teaches you that even though the cycle's going to repeat forever, like, it doesn't make it any less meaningful to the experience of, like, doing the thing. Well, they, they kind of cheat because they're able to make the story kind of exist in this bubble of meaninglessness. Yeah, but at the same time, because it's inherently just a cycle and inherently a bubble of yeah. where no one, nothing really gets out of the bubble, they're able to just go like extremely, extremely broad within this bubble. Yeah, like you, like if you sort of take, you know, what the player does, like their actions, like they do, they they do a lot of crazy shit. Like mm-hmm. you, like you beat the shit out of so many of these like crazy monsters, like half gods, some of them. Yeah, you know? where it's like. You know, there's been, you know, you're told explicitly, or at least you find out that it's like, there's countless of other people that have tried to do this. And it, it really, it, you know, if, if you just sort of, you know, you, you explain the story of Dark Souls, just sort of like what you do as a mm-hmm. player and it, it reads like a power fantasy, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it, it's oh, like, yeah. In you kill this game, person, you kill this be, person, yeah. you kill a demon, you kill another demon, you, yeah, f- yeah. you throw fire bombs at the Capra demon because you can't fight it. You know, you do. Sorry, you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't fight it. Fuck that. bitched out. No, fuck the Capra. Put demon. that in. The, put that on the ledger fuck for later. The, fuck the Capra demon. Yeah. Um, I went. I went toe to nail with that boy. I learned how to parry on that fight no, fuck that as fight. I forced myself yeah. to. Um, John John made me. <laughs> you can go back and watch that let's play. He made me do it. <laughs> it's they. They're able to put so much scale in this bubble of meaninglessness because, and it's it still gives you the feeling of just like ah, oh, 
didn't just a just a poor little boy didn't really do something. It's all really I'm dumb and insignificant. Nobody loves me. I'm just gonna keep going, despite <laughs> despite it being sorry, like guys. such a grand adventure, such a yeah. you know like a hero's journey. But it's so well, you, you get to the end of it, you're like, mm. yeah. but but and, but you look back along the way and you're like punch the air with joy when you kill one skeleton. Yeah, like it. I I think that the thrill is in the process of accomplishing a little goal, not in lighting the first flame. Like exactly what you just said. Yeah. And that's where, like, we, well, I'll save the meta reading, but, like, that's what life is. All right. Just saying. Just putting it out there. Let's talk about the game's humor before we get to the meta reading. Because <laughs> the meta reading is going to be the bit at the end where you go, come on, dude, what the fuck okay. are you talking about? So, like, the game's pretty funny at times. Um, oh, it's very I don't know funny. how to say this word, but it's Massacore. Is that the name of the humor? Sorry. M-A-S-O, like, Massacore. Dave's going to show me a word. Massacore. I've never seen that word in my life. Um, it's it's what they used to describe games like I want to be the guy, where the humor of the game is derived from making oh, how like, dumb... Like, like masochism. Yeah, and it yeah. like makes fun of how dumb it is to play games that are hard. And like the basic idea that... And I was reading through this really interesting document about it. basic idea is like you disrupt the player's expectation of what playing a game should be like. So uh, as an example in Dark Souls, the classic, the quintessential Dark Souls is... You walk into a room and there's like a bad guy staring at you in the face and you like run up to him to hit him and then something backstabs you from behind yeah. the door and you go down and you get killed. And you're like, fucking there's, shit. Yeah, there's, there's like a part very early in the game where you see this little shitty boy, this like little pink naked, half naked boy with a broken Little bitch sword. boy, yeah. And like he sees you and he runs down this corridor into this hallway and up this up these stairs and you chase him down. And if you run through without realizing, you just get bum rushed from behind by these yeah. two guys who are just behind you just being like, just waiting there for you. And I mean, the... But it's, pe- when, when you die from that stuff, you don't go fucking bullshit. Like every time you're you watch like, a stream and play okay, it, they laugh. Yeah. They go, "You got me, Dark yeah. Souls." You know. Well, even you know they they've done that. Like, every single fucking Dark Souls game does it. But I've got some examples in a second of yeah, different ways it, they do it. And I think you you get used to it. You sort of like you know you come into an area, be like, "There's definitely an enemy behind this corner." Yeah. But it doesn't make it any less. Like it's not. It's not like annoying or cheesy or like bullshit. I think only like, because it's... they always put enemies in corners. It's just like yeah, they don't always put enemies in well, corners. Well, that, that's the other thing. So we'll get to that. The way that they kind of use it to make you like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> they use it to make you insane. Yeah. So as an example, the chest mimics are a big part of um, Analondo. Uh, oh, they're just rude. Same, same with you like the boulders and stuff like that. You but spend the whole game going like, "Oh, chest item," and then it's just like, "Oh, chest." Oh, I'm so dead. yeah, the the first time you discover mimics, it's like one third into the game. It's like you're pretty well into it, and then they're everywhere in Analondo, and then the yeah. game backs off entirely. And every fucking chest <laughs> you open, you walk up to it like it's about to explode, like it's yeah. a fucking rigged bomb. Like, and it's that's what they do really well is they they make you expect it and then they back off really quickly. Um. So it's it it creates extra gameplay tension because you're afraid of everything. Um, and there's there's one thing that we talked about when we were playing Bloodborne on my old channel, which was like um, the the floors in Dark Souls. When you're walking through an area and the floors are slightly raised in different areas, every single bump you think is a pressure plate. Every right, single yeah. time we're like, is that gonna fucking spin me? Where's the fucking trap? At? Yeah, you walk over and, and it just sinks down. You're like, you're oh, like oh god. god. <laughs> and, but like most of them aren't traps at all. No, like ninety nine percent of the time. Um, and then, like, you know... And then, like, hidden walls. Like, fake walls. Hidden walls, they just fake you out. They're just It's yeah. just a dumb bullshit. You, you see a wall, you'll be like, that looks fake. And you run up and hit it with a sword. But that's, the, just... that's the other thing, though, is, is the, the community can fucking lead you into that, that humor where they go, you know, illusionary wall ahead, and it's oh, got yeah. 99 upvotes, and you're yeah. like, oh, oh definitely cool, definitely. and it's just a fucking it's wall. A wall. You're like, you guys are pricks. <laughs> Video game people are bad. Video games are a mistake. Cancel them. Yeah. But, like, that stuff, to me, 
games that do humor, it'll be like, ah, oh, it's a funny one. You punch the boy, it's a funny. Like, Grand Theft Auto was like, you jumped off the car and did a swan dive, funny yeah, ragdoll. Grand, Th- <laughs> Grand Theft Auto was like... Yuck, yuck, you know. Yeah, it's that sort of, like, satire turned up to 11 to the point where it's not really satire anymore. It's just, it's just kind of... It's own, it's it's, it is nose. itself, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a product of, like, they've gone post-postmodern. I mean, like, Red Dead Redemption was post-Western, but GTA Five is so post-postmodern, it's not even ironic anymore. Um... <laughs> There are uh, a lot of words. I have a lot of strong opinions sentence. about GTA Five, <laughs> which we'll never talk about. Um, so it's about the time where I do the meta, meta reading to yeah. cap off the show. Um, yeah. So ruin, ruin this my is day, my day, so for those of you who like are new to our new format of the show, sometimes I bring in a meta reading that basically ruins everyone's opinion on a piece of art. Or I just, their opinion of you. Of me. It's one, one of the, the two. Other. That's yeah. There's literally no other option. You don't come <laughs> in with a middle ground reading. You're like, David's a lunatic, or the, the thing we talked about is terrible. Yeah. And has shattered my entire Ruined Dark Souls for me, David. I didn't spend $60 on it for nothing. Dark Souls is a game about video games. Oh, man. What a very original meta oh, reading that is, David. You wait. It's gone get. Okay. There's layers, bro. Continue. So the game structure can be read as someone has played through a story ages ago. So like it's like so like maybe Gwyn was like the protagonist where he played through like a high action fantasy game. He became the king, and then at the end of it, everything went to shit. So like it'd be like if the action hero, like the titular action hero in like Skyrim, right? If you played through Skyrim and at the end you became the king of fucking Skyrim, Skyrim Providence or whatever <laughs> or Cyrodiil or wherever it is. But then it's like ten years later because you're a bad ruler because all you did was kill people to get into the position you're in. Everything falls apart. Even the, ge- even the way the game articulates its quests, in inverted commas, says something about video games as a genre. In a world of Western RPGs where you spend 90% of your playtime doing busy bullshit work for farmers, it's interesting <laughs> to me that Dark Souls doesn't even have quests at all, or like markers. Just some weirdo tells you, go to the cave on the other, s- there's a ring there. And then they laugh maniacally, and nine times <laughs> out of ten it's a trap. Um, and the subversion of game design means you end up with commentary on like how we consume narrative in games. Which I think is bolstered by like how obtuse working out what the story is ends up being, where you have to go through all this minutiae. So like the combination of no real quests, but when you do get a quest, it's some vague lunatic being like, "Go to the tower," like a Dark Souls to a woman's like, "Go to the tower where the flame is," and you think, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the first flame," but it's a fucking lighthouse. Yeah, and you go there and you get ambushed. Like it's that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and there's no like markers or anything. And for me, the meta reading of this is that Dark Souls has always been a game that disliked video games, or at the very least, they disliked games which were full of, like, the staples and the trappings of modern, like, RPG design. Um, but, like, non-ironically. So, like, Oblivion is, like, a perfect example. There's, like, there's not a hint of fucking irony in Oblivion's quest design or story yeah. design or level design. There's irony in the characters and the writing, but there's not a fucking hint of it in the game design. And Todd Howard is the most vanilla game designer, and I love him for it, but he has no complexity on that front. Yeah. You, do, you get the quest, you get the marker, you do the thing. You do the thing, you get rewards. You get the next step and you do the thing, you get the yeah. reward. It's pretty straightforward. They kind of touch, they just stray a little bit in Skyrim, but that's kind of what he does. Um, as I think like for, for someone to make a game like this, like Dark Souls, and to keep making them and to be like, yeah, here's, here's another one. It's called Bloodborne. It's not really related to the others, but if you like the other ones, this will teach you to play the other ones in a way that's more fun. Like for me, they're a company that like... They, they don't care about the fact that their games are hard. They care about that when you're making content that's to be consumed in a particular medium, they, like, they seem to be a company that understands the medium is the most important part. Like, in the same way that House of Leaves takes the medium and extrapolates, like, what a book can do. Yeah. These games, for me, are, like, like this, like, crucial, like, crucial, harsh commentary on, like, what game design should be. And it's saying, like, game design, you should put the game first, and if you do make the game good enough 
the story will naturally build from that. And then you can do those fun things. You can add in those themes of like the Buddhism and the, you know, the minutia that turns out to be meaningless, but it's the only way you can find out what the story means. All that stuff like kind of coalesces together for me to be a franchise that ultimately admonishes games for playing like games. And then ironically, their games play really well. <laughs> and that to me gives me a fucking migraine just thinking about right. it. But like the, the levels that From Software are working on is like something else. Like, they get it, and they get it all, and they go, yeah, that's cool. You can do your dragons and your Skyrims, and you can you can play your witches, and you can do your little Assassin's Creeds, and you can play your cowboys and shoot them up some whatnot, and you can do Call of Duties. We're going to be over here doing our own thing, making some crazy art that no one understands, and hopefully, if you guys work hard enough, you'll put the meaning in it for us, and then at the end of the day, isn't the discovery of, like, the, the meaning and the discovery of the media the thing that matters? And Dark Souls is a game about discovery and uncovery, and... Ultimately, I think it's a game that you experience. I don't think it's a game that is played. And that's... $60 now on the Nintendo Switch. And we get a 10% cut if you use offer code AFA Pod David. It's very handsome. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I had. I felt like that... I have nothing. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's a fun game. It's really good to fun to play. Yeah. yeah I, it spooks I, me. I recommend watching... Welcome uh, to Horror Month. Thanks. Well, I guess this is the end of Harmon. Yeah, it's the end of it. See you next time. But Goodbye, also everyone. welcome if this is your first one. Uh, I want to give a few quick recommendations for the research I did. Uh, the Wisecrack Philosophy of Dark Souls video. I didn't talk about any of the stuff they did, but it's I feel like video. you can just type Wisecrack Philosophy of a- into name anything. anything. Just don't be, do Bojack because just... you've got 20 videos. Um, <laughs> I like you might get ours as well. Wouldn't that be a horrific turn of fate? Hashtag always plugging. Uh, yeah, but it, speaking of plugging, it's that time of the week. Have you got anything you want to recommend? No, absolutely not. It, what have you been doing for the last month? Je- well, I suppose you were playing uh, Dark Souls. Playing Dark week. Souls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, I've been doing Daredevil Season 3. That's been my, my jam this week. Um, I played Warframe once this we're, week. We're going to play Red Dead Redemption. It's on the TV there, ready to go. I can see yeah. that. I can it's see been the sitting start. there, like, waiting. Yeah. yeah. David's been, like, flinching. I'm horny for it. Like, I've got, like, I'm twitching. Like, reacting. I need my trying fix. To, trying to grab the controller. The PlayStation 4 controller is plugged in, but I could reach it from here. I could you lunge. Could, you could jump. I would break out the DSLR. Yeah. I would break it. It'd be worth it. I'd shatter a $1,000 camera just to play Red Dead Redemption. It might be terrible. I don't care. I need that fix, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Dead Devil Season 3 is really good. Um, I've just got back into The Crown, which is a great TV show on Netflix. It's about, like, Matt Smith's in it. He's really good. Um, Doctor Who, we'll talk about the post, oh, the Doctor post show. Who! And the post show, so stick around oh for that. Oh, my God. Um, and speaking of the post show, if you are... Uh, wait, you've got to do the... Fuck, plug, plugs. Patreon. Uh, Patreon. No, do the Facebook. other ones. <laughs> Facebook. At DCMWorks Social. YouTube. YouTube.com slash DCMWorks. Twitter. Uh, at DCM underscore works. Patreon. Uh, speaking of the post show on Patreon, patreon.com slash DCM works. By the way, patreon.com slash DCM works. If I say it enough, will you go there? Uh, speaking of the post show, we've got a special guest, Laura. I was going to come in and talk a bit about uh, Dark Souls if she wants to. She's currently playing Nintendo DS. Yeah. Um, but that'll be that'll be interesting and fun if you want to. Uh, I'm just looking at the live stream. Internet's terrible tonight, so apologies if the live stream... So the post show might not even happen. But we're still going to do it. Because then I can post it up later on the Patreon. So uh, the only way to see the post show where we talk about extra stuff, we just kind of hang out after the week, uh, is you go to patreon.com slash DCMworks. Uh, subscribe for more than $3 a month. You can see every post show there or just catch the show live on our YouTube, YouTube channel. Uh, you can uh, leave comments, ask us to talk about stuff and all that fun goodness that comes with being on the internet and a live stream. So uh, we're... I almost had it again. I almost fucking had the ending. If you want to follow us individually, I'm at DCMA Hate Pie. I'm at Little Citrus. And we'll see you guys next week.